Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior, to another Tactical Tuesday. These are conversations with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips, and advice to build your solar business or career and grow with us here on Suncast. Today's expert guide is my friend Dana Redden, and you're going to get a chance to see from the inside of a decade plus of solar consulting experience and how Dana converted that into a force for good. Dana has created something called a social rec or renewable energy credit. What does that mean? How does it differ from renewable energy credits? Where did the terminology come from and what are the community benefits of what she refers to as a community benefits agreement? How does it change the economics of a project so that there is a more equitable redistribution of the capital input and outlay of a solar project that is designed from its beginning to fund equity in a community and have a positive contribution to that community? Can we leverage social media for equitable purposes? How do we raise capital for these kinds of marketplaces. That and more we discover in this week's brief look inside the mind of one of the industry's up and coming entrepreneurs, Ms. Dana Redden. That and more coming up in this episode with Dana Claire Redden, the founder and CEO of Solar Stewards. Integrating social equity into our renewable energy credit infrastructure is a must. I hope you'll agree, and I hope you'll stick around for today's Tactical Tuesday. While you're at it, take a chance and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform if this inspires you, and share it with someone else in your community. It really does mean the world to us and helps us get discovered by folks just like you so that we can continue to inspire and empower those who are on their journey along with us to clean up the world with our clean energy revolution. Now, let's get down to business and tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, with another practical, tactical conversation here on Suncast. Tell me something that's true for you that very few people agree with you on. I don't know. It's a lot of consensus nowadays. You know, when we're talking about equity, um, I can certainly, I could certainly put a list together of of, uh, you know, confused objections to what equity has to do with energy, uh, you know, prior to 2020. I mean, I've, I've heard some things, <laughs> but, you know, the truth will prevail. Um, right now, I suppose the, the biggest, here's what I'm hearing now. We don't, where are the equity metrics? Nobody knows. We don't have a way to track what equity looks like and means. And, and uh, that's completely false. You know, communities that have have had to endure, uh, you know, environmental racism and economic exclusion, they know exactly what success looks like for them. Uh, it's just discounting their 
opinions uh, and expertise and lived experiences that, uh, you know, would lead anybody to say, well, we don't know what equity looks like or we can't track it. Of course you can track it. I mean, energy burden. It's the percentage of, of somebody's income that they pay towards their, their energy costs help alleviate those energy costs. I mean, if that's not clear, I'm, I'm not sure what is. So, you know, sometimes in, in the whole action plan, people do get caught up on, they, they want the solution to look like um, others in, in, you know, previous past. And that's not necessarily what innovation looks like. It's, it's new solutions, right? Um, and fortunately, we have stakeholders that we can listen to that know what they're talking about and include them in these solutions. Uh, well, Dana, I think this perfectly tees up the evolution from solar concierge to solar stewards. Can you help us understand with regard to solar steward, what are you doing differently in the marketplace and, and how is it being received? So, and given that experience, uh, you know, talking to communities about solar development and, and seeing the barriers for them, we, we really wanted to bring a, a solution that was easy to to deploy. Certainly, we've saw some exceptions where uh, you know philanthropy kind of stepped in that gap, and that was certainly great to see. But that's not exactly scalable. You know, there's a there's a lot of folks out there that don't have that that donor uh, in the wings, right? So, how can we leverage something uh, that has already been successful in fostering renewable energy development? for these specific applications in historically excluded communities. And that's how we bumped into, you know, renewable energy credits and what they've done uh, for other markets where there might be a, you know, state mandate or, or just looking at the corporate sector and their leadership on energy. Uh, I could point to 2016 when, you know, we, the U S had uh, stepped out of the Paris climate accord uh, for a couple years. Right. And the business sector said, well, that's unfortunate, but we're going to keep moving forward. And that was certainly inspiring as a business owner, as an American, as, uh, you know, a climate advocate. I I thought, okay, this is exciting. And this is something that we can leverage uh, for these applications that still need some help. So I was talking to a corporate client at the time um, with Solar Concierge and, uh, you know, this a stakeholder said, uh, I hate buying recs. No one knows what they are as far as, you know, their customers and employees. It's a, a number and a sustainability report. I mean, the value it was just missing. I said, well, you said you needed to go net zero on this facility. So that's that's what you're going to have to do. We maxed out, you know, the on-site opportunity. Um, but it really got me thinking because I was also talking to a school in their, their um, headquartered town at the time. Uh, and so, you know, if only they could procure recs from this application, if there was something specific. So all of that and a lot of research and development and talking to, you know, lawyers and, uh, you know, consultants just to to make sure that this was something viable. That's where s- social recs came about. Um, and a social rec is, is really like any traditional a renewable energy credit. We uh, make sure to it's plugged into the appropriate registry, whether that be you know here in in the states in North America or internationally with the IREC standard, which just so happened to come about at the same time, which is another you know divine point, right? But the distinguishing factor with a social rec is it is procured 
from or serving a, a, a historically excluded community, helping to add additionality for that solar on site, typically aggregates of distributed generation or, you know, sited solar, rooftop solar, if you will, uh, and also price at a, a rate and a term that achieves that, right? So helps to fill in that, that delta gap helps to fund workforce trading and STEM and STEAM programs, and also helps to alleviate, you know, energy burden and create a revenue stream that communities so sorely need. Maybe you could give me a good example by way of a case study or a client that you've worked with, because I'm still, I'm sure folks are still trying to wrap their heads around some of the technical speak and the differentiation between a traditional rec, which is a strip of the, it's a strip of revenue you can get from an open market based on the environmental attributes of the project, right? The renewable energy credits versus a a term. And I'm not clear if you created the social rec term or if you're leveraging it. So I'd love if you clarify that, but like clarify how the terminology came around, came about, how you help a client monetize that if it's in addition to the overall sort of, I'll call it cost stream where it becomes a revenue stream, but it's a cost to someone. And and who is it? Who does it cost and for what benefit? If you could just clarify that by way of maybe an example, that'd be super helpful. Sure. So, uh, for instance, there's a a, a women led and founded solar development firm, and they were looking at a site on a school in Baltimore uh, to do a community sur- uh, solar project. So such a cool application. And just like so many others that I've seen in the Southeast and across the country, you know, the economics just, just couldn't get it over the mark. So this is a, a community solar project. A hundred percent of it is going to LMI or low and moderate income subscribers for the community solar. It's, it's on a school. So the students get to see and participate in it. The school actually has a, a, a solar workforce training program already there. Already, okay. uh, already there. I mean, the educators are on board. The school gets a little bit of little bit of revenue from kind of leasing their rooftop space, if you will. And so we've got a, um, we call them climate stewards or a buyer who, uh, you know, is in the professional services. So they do tax advisory, um, pretty large firm. And uh, excuse me for not naming names quite yet. It's kind of their, it's kind of their, um, program uh, to announce, if you will, because they are the the climate steward. But that being said, they said, you know, where our uh, ESG or CSR, you know, environmental social governance or corporate social responsibility program, we want to make sure that we include an equity piece, uh, uh, you know, societal benefit to what we're doing with our internal And, you know, I had known of them in the solar space for quite some time um, and just really admired some of the deals that they got done and and worked through. And so they they were just a perfect climate steward for us. And and they identified that project as one that they wanted to to purchase social recs from. Social recs is definitely, you know, something that we coined um, in, in looking at how we can take those existing renewable energy credits and put them to a good social use. Do you step in and like buy the recs and put that and and so the I'm just making sure I understand the model. You find a client, in this case, this tax firm, uh, they agree to purchase the RECs, I presume for a premium over the other the the relevant market price for the REC in that yes. in that market. And then they basically dedicate 
the revenue strip from those recs to solar stewards to take care of programs. Yes, that's right. Uh, to our community partners. So that is all of that social rec revenue uh, is allocated to the, you know, and, and this is a, a typical community benefits agreement is a, a traditional term for these, but an agreement that says we're going to use this revenue for, in this case, it's, you know, to get the project to pencil and to add, uh, you know, additional workforce training opportunities. Um, but, but exactly that. I mean, it's, it really is that simple. And we chose a mechanism that corporates are, are already very engaged with. They already buy unbundled recs, you know, millions of dollars of them. So it's a great opportunity just to carve out that for equity. Hey, I know you are a savvy listener. Heck, you're listening to Suncast and you've probably, as a result, heard of a little company called SunGrow. If you're not using SunGrow inverters on your projects, I would love to better understand why. They are the inverter of choice for many of the EPCs that I know. SunGrow is the number one in gigawatts deployed. They've got the top bankability in the industry. Heck, Solve uses them for the majority of their projects. And you may not even know, but SunGrow has the largest R&D team in the power electronics industry. These three key points alone have convinced most of the major U.S. developers to prefer SunGrow. They now experience a diversified supply chain, local service team, patented containerized product, all with their seamless, pain-free commissioning. Look, imitation is the highest form of flattery. So why spend all of your cycles on what inverter to use when the largest EPC in the land has already done the heavy lifting for you? You can have their same experience for your projects. See how at mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Hey, can I borrow your attention for just one minute? How many of you in the residential solar install game right now would really say that your workflow is built to win? You know, in the 2010s, solar was all about sales. I think that the winners of the 2020s is really going to be contractors that focus on operational efficiency. See, margins are getting squeezed and there's a ton of competition out there, but everyone has an opportunity to improve. Would you like to know the score? of the value of your survey and design process? Would you like to hear about the evolution of the installer workflow? Well, then I would encourage you to join myself and my friend Jason Steinberg from Scanifly next Wednesday, the 31st of May at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Or maybe it's this Wednesday, or maybe you already missed it and you need to go see the replay at any point. You are going to benefit from the insights that we're going to reveal the benefits of a tech-driven solar ops program, the transition from manual to digital surveys. It's all there. I hope that you will check in, tune in, register, and uh, throw us some hard questions. We always love it in our live broadcasts. Join us May 31st, 2 p.m. with Scanifly. See you there. I want to make sure that folks really understand this. How does the inclusion of social recs versus traditional recs change the economics of the project and, and quote, make it pencil? Yeah, it's, it's extra revenue. So there's a number of reasons these small projects, um, you know, typically small. So when I say small, I mean 100 kW, 50 kW, you know, all the way up to, you know, two megawatts. That's considered small. 
although it's 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 not to a community right that's a lot of solar two megawatts is a lot for a neighborhood um but that being said there's there's a lot of barriers to these small portfolios one funders typically don't look at deals for less than you know 10 million dollars which actually might bump up into a 2 megawatt space but at, you know below now we've got some great PPA partners um you know that certainly do uh and you know shout out to uh, inclusive prosperity capital they're they're one that's just really finally given an opportunity to some of these applications but even when we've got an equitable PPA partner uh you know tax equity investor you're still a delta that's missing. Um, and, and that's really where social recs come in, leveraging that opportunity. And, and you know, this is, yes, of course, it's it, it's a premium, kind of like a, a organic tomato is a premium, right? Over a, a, a GMO tomato, um, you know, but, uh, and you get the additional value of being able to partner with this, uh, you know, community, so we know that uh, corporates understand that they've got to engage their their employees, their customers. They've got to show the the good stewardship that they're doing out here. Um, you know, it's that's important to their bottom line. Of course, it's it's the right thing to do, but it also is something that's very uh, valuable to consumers. And when I heard that feedback from that corporate, um, you know, client back in the day, oh, we hate Rex. This is giving them an opportunity to to realize more value within that framework because I, I certainly respect what Rex have done more so for utility scale and, you know, um, those types of applications. Now it's time for these smaller projects and and historically excluded communities to benefit. Dana, one of the things that you've done that I find particularly interesting is around the structure of the business. Many would look at the way you're approaching advocacy and, and immediately, as did I, think, oh, this is nonprofit, but it's not. Help us understand the decision around business structure and why that's core to how you have gone to market. Sure. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that because, you know, it's, it's just another opportunity to innovate and create more equitable systems. Um, I'm, I'm really jazzed uh, about the social entrepreneurship movement and corporates taking more of that stakeholder as opposed to primarily or, or exclusively shareholder uh, approach. Um, it just just helps to recognize the externalities that, you know, going back to my my childhood, you know, that folks still have to endure whether that ends up on somebody's balance sheet or not. And so it was uh, it was important to walk the walk as as, you know, a, a similar entity when, you know, talking to now, of course, I'm not a, a multinational corporation, but I, I still am a, a business. Right. Um, so I do approach things from a business standpoint, but also looking at how to, um, you know, improve economic inclusion. When you've got philanthropy, which, you know, I'm, I'm going to extend, you know, nonprofits to, to just, just philanthropy, which maybe not be, is not entirely fair, um, but it's just not scalable. You know, they just have a system um, that can be uh, exclusive at times, certainly, uh, but it doesn't lend itself to ownership. It doesn't lend itself to scaling. Uh, you're always dependent on, you know, something. It, the power dynamics just don't uh, really lend themselves to 
the type of equitable systems that, that we're building. And if we always look at a social impact as something separate from business, we're always going to have the same problems with business. It's got to be together. And it's it's not a charitable opportunity. It's a value proposition. That's right. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that I, the, even the, the, the fundamental idea over the last 20 years that in some way solar needs charity. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't. It's just like any other technology. And certainly we've got uh, stakeholders and leaders that, that see the value. Um, and it's just a matter of, of making sure that value is created and, and, and maximized and, and in a responsible way. So, I mean, th- we're in a great time with CSR initiatives. I think sustainability professionals are early adopters and leaders anyway. So to be able to include equity in, in, you know, in this time and place is a beautiful thing, a realization of so many dreams. You embody the very nature of being a scrappy startup CEO in many ways, not the least of which is how you have gone about funding the business. We mentioned solar concierge, solar concierge in principle as a business is not day-to-day operating. I know that you do still leverage it as many of us do as entrepreneurs as, as needed an additional stream of income. But how have you thought about funding this business and have there been any key milestones in the last six months or so that have really given you like the ability to accelerate what you're doing based on funding and income? Yeah. Well, I love that question because uh, it does tie into why we're a social enterprise business models. um, You know, I've, I've been a a kind of student of the game in uh, entrepreneurship for a while, but then when I got my, um, you know, MBA, I really got into the opportunities for emerging markets and and different business models and dual network platforms have always just fascinated me. You know, every, everybody in the world, um, well, can't speak for everybody, but most of us touch a dual network platform, whether we realize it or not every single day, multiple times, What's an example? maybe for hours. Yeah. You know, a, a social network platform, um, not to pick any specific one, um, but I'm, you know, per, I'm, I'm looking at one on my screen. LinkedIn. Um, yeah. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's just so many. Um, so why can't we leverage that for equitable purposes? Uh, and and also, you know, when we're talking about scaling a business or, or raising rounds, you know, we wanted to make sure that with a novel approach to energy and equity, we still looked uh, similar to to what uh, funders and investors uh, are familiar with. So we're employing a, a marketplace where, you know, buyers and sellers can come together. And I'm excited to talk about our solar stewards marketplace platform uh, as a, a solar solar finalist. Yeah. <laughs> Semi-finalist uh, in the NREL and DOE American Made Solar Challenge round five software track. We're in the That's set round now. Yes. And I, uh, <laughs> I love saying it all because they have a, a number of really uh, amazing contests. Um, yeah, so we did, did did win some prize money in that first round as a ready uh, winner, but also as a diversity, equity, inclusion and, and justice winner. They've got a an additional track uh, for those applications that prioritize equity as we certainly do. This marketplace uh, is is subscriber driven. So our buyers subscribe to our platform for the opportunity to see all of these opportunities and all of their different phases and all of the impact 
uh, the communities themselves. So a lot of, you know, the past couple of years has been me and, and maybe an analog way doing a matchmaker dance, which I thoroughly enjoy, but it's not as scalable to the amount of demand that we have. So I'm I'm excited to say, to answer your question, we're using a subscriber model and that allows us to pass that social rec revenue on, as is our charter, to these applications, right? Because they're they're small. So taking a percentage of them isn't going to keep our solar powered lights on. <laughs> a couple of couple of questions. Um, how much it's public information how these different rounds are funded. But for those who are unfamiliar, and you should go back and listen to some of the other American Made Solar Prize winner conversations that we've featured here. But for those folks who are just hearing about this for the first time, so that they can have a meaningful understanding of what it meant for your business, how much did you win in the first round? $40,000. Okay, fantastic. And are you still out looking to raise capital now around the marketplace using this as like a validation point? Of course. Um, you know, what entrepreneurs like, no, you know, <laughs> well, no I guess the money. question is, no. the question is, as a marketplace, are you looking to raise capital for scale or do you already have enough buy and sell side that you are self-funding the business? That's right. You know, we're we're really looking to grow organically with our memberships. And so, you know, I, I encourage any listener that, you know, might represent a, a corporate buyer. Uh, also, you know, I, I also Solar Stewards is really for those small and mid range businesses. Uh, I want to, you know, make sure to emphasize that being one of them myself, not everybody has to do a big, splashy, 100% renewable goal. Like that's, that's great. It's really, it's not a great fit for everybody. When you can focus your climate strategy on a local application, that typically means that, you know, you can very conveniently do an equity play. And so we encourage, you know, small and, and mid-sized businesses to start there, start with something local. We can help, you know, recruit uh, or maybe already have in our network a, a project, a school district or some application that ties directly into your business and, you know, giving them a lane to, to do some visible impact. I would imagine, and you can uh, enumerate more if you like, but some of the pain points are, are not only raising capital, which you're solving through through ways that uh, are creative and uh, also showed uh, demonstrable track record, but also getting supply, i.e. projects and demand, i.e. corporate off takers, as well as I would presume a third party, which is developers um, who do the projects, but maybe are uh, slightly um I'll say not not directly related to bringing the projects to the platform. Is am I understanding everything correctly? Well, the vision, and I'm seeing some traction on this. Although I recognize that developers already have a lot going on, uh, but this is an incentive and a tool for them to see the value in, in going after projects uh, that they know. Looking from a mile away, they know that's not going to pencil. And I know because they would send those projects to me. Oh, Dana will go look at that. And and I did, you know. And so I get to leverage all of those relationships I built from, you called me scrappy. So those scrappy projects, right? That somebody scraps uh, into, you know, an opportunity in this, in this, um, in this field. But also I want to incentivize developers, you know, don't sell, you know, some of these opportunities short know that social recs can support you, you know, increasing your market share and including these types of projects. All right. Well, that's a wrap on this practical insight from Dana Claire Redden's career profile. I hope that you've learned something in particular. I'd love to know your takeaway on the idea of social 
renewable energy credits. And the concept of community benefits agreements. Wouldn't it be nice to have more like this? You can support Dana and those along the path with her. Go over to mysuncast.com, click on the episode notes tab, and you'll be able to connect with Dana and of course myself and find out so many more ways that you can engage with this community. I want to encourage you to come back as every Thursday we have deep long form interviews with industry experts. This coming Thursday, we have none other than Christine Todd Whitman. That's Governor Christine Todd Whitman, also former EPA administrator and one of the co-founders of the Forward Party. You're not going to want to miss out on that conversation. And of course, if the other way that you would like to pile in and not miss out on partnering with us to reach thousands of clean energy champions and solar warriors each and every week, you can go to mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor and learn more. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. <laughs>